Hello, everyone. I'm Jenna Konar, and you're listening to Management Decisions on LocalJobNetwork.com radio. One of the goals of this podcast is to discuss management techniques for improving the workplace. On today's show, we're talking specifically about methods to create a positive workplace culture and the culture problems that can hinder a healthy workplace. So to gain more insight on this topic, we're speaking with Liz Ryan, CEO and founder of The Human Workplace, a coaching and consulting business for employers, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and more. She is also the author of the article, How to Have Fun at Work, which is the focus of our discussion today. Thanks for joining us, Liz. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. So before we dive into the topic, could you tell me briefly about your professional background and what your role is at The Human Workplace? Sure. Well, you know, I was a human resources leader for a very long time in corporate America and in startups. I ran human resources for a couple of companies that were small and then got much larger. The first one was just a little startup that grew to about $180 million in annual sales. And then the second one was a technology company called U.S. Robotics that was about 100 employees, $15 million in sales when I got there. And I stayed there till running HR until the company was a $3 billion organization with 10,000 folks around the world. So, you know, doing that sort of work, I really got to see what works and what doesn't work in leadership and human resources and and what makes a healthy, positive, we would say mojified work environment and what really makes a human workplace. So now I write and speak about the human workplace and how to get there. I'm far and away the most widely read commentator and columnist on this topic in the world. And the human workplace itself launched as an international movement and as a business in November of 2012, and we have about 350,000 members around the world in 200-plus countries. So there's really a tsunami of interest in this topic. How do we make work human? Mm-hmm. How do we all bring ourselves to work and, and keep that warmth and energy and excitement, what we would call mojo, you know, despite what's often a very sort of forbidding and formal, analytical, data-driven structure? the way that we've uh, learned to do work. So that's really what we do. I end up speaking a lot, talking on the radio like this and on TV, NPR and BBC Radio and all that sort of stuff. And I write for LinkedIn and Forbes and Business Week and lots of publications about how to bring the human workplace into being. And I know uh, with focusing specifically on the topic of creating a fun workplace, in your article, you talk about the analogy of a cake and frosting and how if the, the little things about the company are the only thing that's making it taste good, but the underlying cake is not good tasting, then that doesn't create a positive workplace necessarily. Could you explain that analogy a little bit more? If you think about cake and frosting, you know, nobody is going to enjoy or feel nourished by a cake that has really yummy rosettes around the edges, but the cake itself is, you know, uses bad ingredients or it's not well-baked, it doesn't taste good. What a lot of HR people and leaders get confused about is that they say, oh, you know, let's take everybody to Dave and Buster's or let's have a dress up day or a dress down day or let's, let's put in some new policy. If the underlying energy at work is not healthy, is not open, and we would say if the energy is not moving fast and unimpeded, there is nothing you can do by way of frosting and little contests and goodies that is going to fix that. You have to start with, Is it a trusting place where people can bring themselves and be real? And there's 
so many ways to get there. It is extremely easy to just let go some of the formality and the stiffness that we often associate with work and just be real and be human. So somebody has something going on in their personal life, you say, you know what, take care of yourself, take care of the dog, take care of your your baby or your sister or whatever's going on, you know, get that, get into the new apartment, whatever's happening, that's most important and we'll see you when we see you. That's how you get a human workplace. You get rid of all the formal policies that say, you know, you have to bring in a funeral notice to confirm that your grandmother really died. I mean, it's horrible. We don't treat people in a human way at work and if you don't, then you can't really expect them to get excited because you have a t-shirt day or you have some kind of little fun activity. It's fake. Everybody can see right through it starts with human trust and energy and that just requires a leader to say you know what i hired all these people i had the choice i interviewed umpteen people when i made these hires i guess i better trust them and that requires that we trust ourselves starts with trusting yourself as a leader to say of course i hired people that i can treat as adults of course i hired people that i can set free to do their jobs and i don't have to constrain them with millions of policies i'll tell you one of the things that i do and my job is I work as an expert witness in employment discrimination and other kinds of human resources related issues. And it's unbelievable what employers do and expect to get away with. Thank goodness there are lawyers out there supporting people who get treated, you know, very, very badly at work. And let's be fair, there are employees who try to take uh, their employers to the cleaners also, and we work with them as well. But, you know, there's a lot of mistrust, and that's where it starts starts by building trust. There is no policy, there is no dress down Friday that is going to make up for a lack of trust and human feeling at work. And in your article, you did touch a little bit on lack of trust. You actually had a few different categories or different factors that can cause a negative company culture. So I wanted to kind of go through each one of those. And maybe uh, since you were touching on this already, the lack of trust that can be between the employer and the employee. What would you say kind of causes this? Well, look, at it, it's fear. Wherever The opposite of trust is fear. And people get scared on both sides of the equation. Employees have, uh, you know, a fearful place to go that says they don't understand me and they don't treat me right and they abuse me and they don't pay me enough and they don't speak about it. They don't tell the truth. and They don't say, here's how I'm feeling. So that's their part of the fear versus trust equation. And, of course, managers have their piece of it, too, where they say, all oh, these employees are always complaining and they're trying to get away with stuff. When you buy into those notions, those archetypes that employees are out to, you know, steal from me or my manager is out to, you know, treat me badly, then you're not being true to yourself. Because in real life, out in the world with our families and our friends and in our communities, we're expected to tell the truth. We're expected to say, this is how I'm feeling. So this is not an employees versus managers thing, the human workplace. It's really starting from the presumption that there is no us versus them. There can be no us versus them. And anybody who buys into the us versus them paradigm, such as they, they don't speak up and they don't say how they're feeling, they are actually part of the problem rather than part of the solution. I don't know whether in that column, the one that you're mentioning, I talked about Godzilla, but we really say that our enemy and our nemesis at Human Workplace is Godzilla, which is our name, for the sort of edifice of fear and policy and restriction and formality and bureaucracy that, that unfortunately resides, you know, very comfortably in almost every large and medium-sized organization, whether it's a for-profit business or government agency or whatever. And so that's our enemy. And people feed Godzilla every day when they don't tell the truth at work. 
That's the number one reason that you have a lack of trust at work and too much fear is because people do not tell the truth. And that's everybody. That's employees, that's employers, that's supervisors, that's HR people. They need to just feel the fear in their gut and speak their truth. And I'm telling you, it's very easy to get to a human workplace state. We know that because there are thousands of employers around the world who have come on board with us to bring these ideas in, and they're having a great time. They're having a lot more fun. The turnover goes down. They're making a lot more money. It's obviously better for shareholders, better for customers, better for everybody. And the lack of trust, I think, probably ties into another point that you touched on, which was fear of change or making a mistake. So how can managers help their employees to overcome any fear of change that, or making mistakes that they may have? They have to face their own. You don't help employees do anything that you can't do yourself. And so for the managers listening to this interview, it starts with you. You're not going to change your employees. You're not going to get them to be better or get them to be more comfortable. You are going to become more comfortable with change yourself. First thing that every manager wants to do, needs to do who wants to create a human workplace is tell the truth about their own fear of change, tell the truth about their own misgivings, and invite people to do the same. That's hard for managers to do. They have that, that force field up and they need to say, you know what, you guys, I'm not always sure what the heck I'm doing here. I'm bouncing around in the dark, bumping into walls half the time. I need your help. Very hard for managers to do that. You're not going to help your employees get comfortable with change until you face up to and actually fess up to your own concerns from a very personal place. That's what, who do we trust, right? We trust people who tell the truth. We don't trust people who put speeches and scripts in our face. And unfortunately, that's a very common thing for managers to do and say, well, you know, the policy is and we have to do this and we're getting this from headquarters. What do I care? As a human being, I want to know that you're going to be real with me. Then I'll be real with you. That's the first and hardest thing for managers to do. And being real with people, that kind of ties into one more of your points that you had in your article, unaddressed conflict. So what are some ways that you've seen how unaddressed conflict can impact employees and managers within organizations? Well, I mentioned a little bit ago that I get involved in a lot of expert witness cases. There's a major, major unaddressed conflict. It simmered and it festered and nobody talked about it. It got worse and worse. All of a sudden, somebody filed a complaint or they, they filed a lawsuit and people act surprised. Listen, Einstein, Newton, they all said the same thing about energy. It doesn't go anywhere. All the energy in the universe is always going to be here. There's, no, there's nowhere for it to go. Dammed up, blocked up energy is just going to puddle and pool it's going to start to affect the air quality and everybody's going to be aware of it. And unless they talk about it, you know, it's not going anywhere. So asking, 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 how are you guys doing? How am I doing? How are we doing? How's the team? What do you need? How's it going? Every single day. That is actually the job of a manager, much more than worrying about production. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you had a mill and the water in the river powered your mill, the number one thing you would worry about is, is that water coming down the river? If there's some beavers that built a dam upriver from me, I got nothing to power the mill, and the flour is not going to get milled. That would be your biggest priority, much more than, you know, putting up signs to make sure all the local farmers bring their wheat in to be milled. That would do you no good. It would do you no good to give the employees at your mill incentives or punishments. If the water is not coming down the stream, Ain't going to be no flour mill. It's exactly the same way in every corporation, in every institution. The energy that powers your work is human energy. We call it mojo. That is exactly what, if the mojo is dammed up and blocked up, it goes to the grapevine. It goes to internal bickering. It goes to corporate politics. It goes to 
stupid places that make people sick and make organizations unhealthy because people are not allowed to, as we would say, connect to their power source and just bring themselves to work and throw themselves into it, which is actually what they want to do. But it's fear, a manager's fear, oh, people should not be able to make their own decisions, that diminishes my power, or who is this guy, you know, questioning me. It's just, it's just fear, no different than what we saw on the playground when we were all seven, eight years old. You get older, it doesn't, it doesn't change. People do not necessarily grow just because they grow up. And we're telling the truth about that now in the workplace for the very first time. We're saying until this is tackled at a fundamental level and until the energy on the team becomes the principal topic, not just a topic, the number one topic in every staff meeting, nothing's going to change. And so to kind of apply these tips, and you talked about releasing the mojo in order to create a positive work culture, what would you say are some maybe the top few practical tips that managers could start taking in order to improve their work culture? Well, the very first thing is to talk about how we do, how you doing, how you holding up, how's your workload, what can I do for you? That's number one. Got to be a constant constant topic of conversation. How are you doing? You know, what can I do for you? Can I help you? How's it going with that thing? Did you call the guy? What does he need? How can I help? How can we clear up this energy blockage? That's the number one thing. And that's not just managers. That's every employee. Something isn't working. You don't like the way a process works. It's not efficient. You say, hey, maybe your manager's name is Jack. Hey, Jack, question for you. This process seems like it's really slowing people down. It's not going well. Everybody's frustrated. It's too hard. Can we sit down and talk about a better way to do it? Jack needs to say, heck yes, we can. We have to. Think about that stream again, powering the mill. The energy of people is momentous. It's it's unbelievable. In fact, every important thing that's ever happened on Earth that was caused by human beings came because people were attached to the power source. Every single bit. And so that's all we're talking about is re-noticing and allowing that power source to do what it wants to do, which is create great things. And it just requires people to give up a little bit of the fake power and the fake control that they think that this Godzilla machine, the bureaucracy, confers on them, which is imaginary anyway. Everybody knows it's not real. We don't respect it. But unfortunately, people really cling to that. I'm a manager. I'm a supervisor. I got the corner office. It's a big deal. You know, we don't respect people unless they earn our respect. And that's really what we're talking about. That's really interesting. I was wondering if you had ever come across any studies that maybe indicate how a positive work culture boosts productivity or boosts an employee's success in the workplace. Have you ever come across anything like that? Okay. I would be the exact last person in the world. Like you could go to the most remote corner of wherever it's remote and unpopulated. I don't know if that's Tierra del Fuego or someplace in the Falkland Islands. I don't really know. I would be the last person on the face of the earth with 7 billion inhabitants to go looking for something like that, obviously, because my deal is it's obvious we can see it. I've experienced it, the positive Mm -hmm. and the negative, and that's what I teach and preach from my experience. I would never, ever go looking for that survey, nor would I send anybody looking for the survey, because that is pure fear. Mm -hmm. If they need a statistical survey, when we all have experienced what it feels like You know, people were on a basketball team in high school, or they were in cheer in in eighth grade, or they were in a musical theater production, or they were in the orchestra. We all know what combined human intent and mojo feels like. It's the best feeling in the world. So, you know, to say every study, by the way, that's ever been done makes this case very plainly. The reason 
that all companies and all organizations are not human workplaces is not because the data is insufficient. There's never been a study that said anything any different than what I'm saying right now. It's fear getting in the way of what we all know to be true. We grew up on the planet, for God's sake. We evolved here over the last 100,000 more years. We know that when people are empowered and people are jazzed up, great things happen. It's not a complicated algorithm, right? So we need to actually put away the surveys and just be human and just remember that when people tell the truth and they have fun together, it's a beautiful thing. And there's no reason why work should be any less busy and fun and exciting and energized than any other place that we would ever go from a backyard barbecue to a bar mitzvah to the farmer's market or anything else. It's a lie that we've talked ourselves into that work is supposed to be formal and hierarchical and bureaucratic and not fun. That's ridiculous. And it's an insult to every living person that we would ever repeat that lie. And we are running a little bit short on time, but I wanted to give you the floor for the last 30 seconds or so just to give a final message to our listeners. Maybe it's a a manager who's listening who wants to try to implement some of these things that you've been talking about. What would be your final word of advice for them? Okay, well, that's perfect. I would say that the very first thing is to understand and really believe I show up today for any listener that hasn't found me heretofore, that hasn't heard me before really from the rest of the universe, from if you believe in God or if you believe in energy or spheres, whatever it is, you know, nothing, there aren't a coincidences, right? So anybody that's my message for the first time, you know, the message really is there's a reason you're listening and there's a reason you've listened this far. And that is me giving you permission to bring yourself to work in a different way than perhaps you've ever thought you were allowed to do. This is the big permission from me in the sky over the airwaves and the radio saying to you, of course, If they hired you, they want the best of you. And if they don't get you, they do not deserve you. You are wasting your time and your flame and your mojo with the wrong people if they don't get your jazz, if they don't want it, if they don't appreciate it, if they don't see what you're capable of. Believe me when I tell you, there's a better place out there for you that you can find. We help people do that too. We have 12 week virtual coaching groups and e-books and all kinds of stuff on our site. Come and check it out, humanworkplace.com. Tons of free stuff podcasts, webinars. I'm obsessed. As you can tell, everybody that works in our company is obsessed with this message. That it is time for a human workplace. It's time for people to bring themselves to work. We need it. The planet needs it. We deserve it. We were born to do the work that we were born to do. And our job on earth is to find that. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of Management Decisions. We've been talking about creating a positive workplace culture with our guest, Liz Ryan. Liz, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Not in the slightest. It's my pleasure, and you have a great rest of the week. Thank you. And we also want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions for any of our podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter under at the LJN. Once again, I'm Jenna Konar, and thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs>